Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Hey, good morning, 11 o'clock. How you doing today? Good. Y'all a little quiet on me. I need you to shout me down, okay? All right. Hey, let's do this real fast before we move on. Can we welcome everyone online just real fast for watching online with us? Just want to honor them. Good to have you. I know you're not in the room, but super excited to have you online. And hey, I'm excited. First service was powerful. We got a lot going on today. We got a lot going on in our church. Uh, it's a real amazing time. And so I want to jump right into it. I want to keep you too long. So do me a favor, stand your feet like we do every week. Come on, go ahead and stand your feet. We're going to jump right into the word. And we are continuing our Holy Ghost series this morning. And um, man, so excited to share what I feel God has put on my heart. I think it's going to be real good. All right, here we go. So John chapter 16, let's do it. John chapter 16. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. All right, chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict. Everybody say convict. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world will be judged. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing in this house with our people. God, I pray that you would speak and I would get out of the way. And that you, Holy Spirit, would move in a real way. We love you and thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. And so we've been on this series on the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. And we're going to keep talking about the Holy Spirit all the way up until summer. Because I truly believe that uh, now in this day and age, we need the Holy Ghost more than ever. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to understand who the Holy Spirit is on a theological level, on a biblical level, on a, on a, on a practical level. We need to be people that have a closeness to the Spirit of God. We need to know the Holy Ghost in a real way. And today, what we're going to talk about, I feel, is one of the most important aspects. I think all of them are important. But, but if I could just be honest, one of the ways that it has helped me tremendously in trying to follow Jesus and understanding who the Holy Ghost is and who the Holy Spirit is, today's class, I believe, has the potential to really begin to break things open in your life and draw you closer to God like never before, right? Today's message, today's conversation has that potential to begin to walk through these things that could really begin to bring healing and freedom. Does that make sense? I think I said class. I have like teaching in mind. <laughs> but the Sunday message, yeah, I guess it's class too. It works. And so I want to talk to you about conviction. And I want to talk to you about conviction. Um, and really, I, I think it's important to understand this, that conviction is so vital to your walk with Jesus. I want you to know this today, that if you are trying to follow Jesus, if you're trying to follow God, if you're trying to get close to God, if you're trying to work on your relationship with Jesus, you're not going to be able to do that without conviction. And I think conviction is a conversation and a topic we don't really talk about in this day and age. But it's absolutely vital and it's absolutely necessary. You and I need to allow ourselves to be convicted by the Holy Spirit so that we can do all that God has called us to do. And in this day and age where everything is crazy, where everything is wild, where people can make up stuff and do whatever they like, we have to know 
who Jesus is, and we have to have conviction. It's a foundational piece in us so that it's not what happens, what Peter talks about in the New Testament, that we are not reeds that are tossed to and fro in the wind. Does that make sense? Yeah? And the storms of life, all the ideas, all the stuff that's going around like crazy, conviction allows us to be locked in in Jesus. Um, I also know this, that conviction isn't like a popular topic to talk about. It's not like we walk in church on Sunday and we're like, yeah, let's learn about conviction. Right? No one's coming in like, yes, let me learn about this thing. But family, it's essential. It's essential, especially because it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us. It is part of his job. And I, and I think last week, for example, we talked about comforter. I think some of you were here. Hopefully a lot of you were here. We talked about the Holy Spirit comforts us. But the Holy Spirit also convicts us. And one of the things you're going to learn throughout this Holy Ghost series is that Holy Spirit is not just one thing to one person and another thing to another person. He's all things to all people. And so if you want the Holy Spirit as comforter, you also have to want the Holy Spirit as convictor. You have to want the Holy Spirit as both. You don't just get one without the other. And so which leads me to my first point, which is really important to understand, is that our relationship with God is currently under the work of the Holy Ghost. What do I mean by that? I want you to understand that you were created by the Father, all right? You were created by the Father, you were redeemed by the Son, and you are in the process of being worked on by the Holy Spirit. You were created by God, right? Psalms talks about it. Psalms 139, you were knit in your mother's womb, Jeremiah chapter 1. So, so the Father creates you, but however, in the process of sin, you needed redemption, right? You needed a savior. You needed someone to heal you and set you free. Pastor Shauna eloquently described it. Honestly, Pastor Shauna killed it. I don't even know what I'm preaching right now. I'm just going to be honest, right? I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go home, right? You needed someone to redeem you. You needed to be washed by the blood of Jesus. You needed your sins to be forgiven. And that's what the son did. The son came and lived and died so that way you could have a relationship with God. He washed you of your sin. He redeemed you. He set you free. But now you are in process. Because how many know you're not perfect? And if you are perfect, you're in the wrong place. I want you to know. That if you come to this church and you have a perception of I've arrived and I've made it and I got it all together, then you're not going to grow. You need to allow yourself to make room. This place is not for people who've arrived, but this church is for people that are on the way. And the attitude and perception you should have when you walk in this building, whether it's a small group, a Sunday, a class, whatever, is that I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. Once you begin to move out of obligation and it starts to feel like there's no space for grow, arrogance begins to come in the heart. And when arrogance becomes in the heart, that's the breeding ground for where religion takes place. And so you and I need work. Come on. Yes, amen. Yeah, yeah. We need work. I need work. You need work. We all need work. The Holy Spirit is who works on us. The Holy Spirit is the one who is working to perfect us like Jesus. Because the goal of the Holy Spirit is to not make you a better you. It's not to make you feel good. It's not to make you feel awesome. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to make you like him. Because the Father wants to glorify his son through you. He doesn't want to glorify you. He wants to glorify the son that lives in you. And so the Holy Spirit's job is to form you and to create in you and to begin to work in you so that way his son can be revealed to people on the earth. 
The people who need Jesus don't need a better us. The people that need Jesus need the Jesus that lives inside of, inside of us. And so we begin to become more like Christ in what we were called in, right? All of us have a different DNA. All of us have a different design. All of us have a different personality. But it's within that personality, it's within that context that Jesus then is released in people's lives. That people begin to see who Jesus actually is. That's where transformation takes place. And who works that process? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Ghost who works within us to perfect us in him. Why does that matter? Why am I saying all that? Because if we're going to talk about conviction, I believe that conviction is the tool. I believe that conviction is the paintbrush, if you will, of how Holy Spirit works on us. How the Holy Spirit moves in us. How the Holy Spirit needs to work on us. And now more than ever, family, I'm going to say it. I think I said it already, but I'm going to say it again. We need conviction. We need people of conviction. We need people who are convicted by God and are convicted in their beliefs. We need to know who God is. And we need to allow him to convict us of the things that aren't of him. This is why. The reason why we need conviction, especially in this day and age, is because we can become desensitized to sin. We can become desensitized to sin. Let me go ahead and read you this passage in 1 Timothy. All right, it says this. Love this verse. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I think we all know individuals in this room, I'm pause right there. We all know people in this room who once knew Jesus and now they're not following Jesus. And it's really, really heartbreaking. That's why here at Thrive, one of the core values of what we believe and the mission of what we're called to is we believe we're a place where prodigals come home. Because there's people who aren't following that need to follow God again. God so desperately loves them. He absolutely has his heart on them. And that we would believe that God would use this place. Maybe you're even in the room today and you're a prodigal. I want you to know that you can find a home here. But it says this, that people are going to leave for whatever reason. And so, so Paul is talking to Timothy, and Paul is describing that not only will people leave, he begins to describe how that process begins to happen. In verse 2, it says, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, right? So wrong teaching, wrong philosophies, and allowing themselves to succumb to the spiritual pressure that the enemy is giving them. And the reason this happens is because there are liars, right? They're through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness, whose consciences are seared. So let me break that down. And so the Bible says that word insincerity is actually the word hypocrite. And the word hypocrite is this Greek word meaning hypocrites or hypocrates. And it's actually, and I think I've talked about this before, but for those that don't know, it's to refer to in the Old New Testament of someone who was a specific actor who would play multiple roles in a play. Does that make sense? And so I'm playing this role, right? Let's say I'm playing the farmer, but I'm also playing the lawyer, right? And so that, that was a special type of actor. It was a Hippocrates actor, if that makes sense. And so what the Bible is saying is that when you live a life where you are one way with this people and another way with this people, when you are one way with your belief system, but another way with your actions, you are living an insincere life. And that insincerity leads to sin, and the Bible says that sin, that insincerity, that hypocritical approach begins to sear your consciousness with God. 
And what does that mean? It, it's kind of like this. I don't know if you've ever touched an iron before and it was hot. Anybody in the room? I'm, I can't be the only one. Come on, there has to be like a bunch of millennials that used to iron their jeans. Come on now. Come on, y'all. It's not just me. Right? You touch the iron, it's hot. You touch a hot stove, it's hot. The Bible's talking about this process of when you touch something and it's branded and next thing you know, you no longer can have feeling because of how hot it is. And so I'll just share the perfect example. I remember one time my brother Alex, he's a teenager, he's living with me, and he decided to iron his shirt. I think it was for an interview. And he's actually in the room right now. I didn't know if he was coming to church today or not, but I guess, oh, well, we're going to talk about it. And my brother Alex, and how many you know, like, just teenagers, you love them, but they're dumb? Like, moments. Like, I feel like that's how you know you're getting old, is when you think the next generation, you're just, you're just, you need Jesus, yo. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Thank, thanks, Scotty. Thank you. Someone can relate to me. Thank you. And so Alex, right, he's ironing his shirt, which is awesome, and it's going well, and he's ironing his shirt. And, and he had the greatest idea that he can leave the iron on his shirt while he goes and, like, I don't know, eats a snack or goes to the bathroom or something. So he left it. He left the iron, hot iron, on the shirt. Not cold iron, hot iron on the shirt. I don't know, like five minutes go by, and you smell something burning in the house. And you're like, what's burning? I'm like, what's burning? And Alex is like, oh, my gosh, my shirt. He runs into the room, to the laundry room where we have the iron, and you just see on his shirt just a hole the size of an iron on his shirt. His shirt got burned through by the iron. Didn't have a shirt. And he had an interview. It was madness. And you would just think, dude, why didn't you just take the iron off? And so here's what, here's what hot irons do, right? They burn through. And at first when you touch it, okay, at first when you touch it, it's hot, right? Right, it's not a rhetorical question. You're like, yes, it's hot, yes. It's hot, it's hot. But what you find is when you begin to put flesh, skin, on something that is hot, it burns at first, but then if you keep touching it, the skin cells begin to die, and now you no longer have any feeling on the place that's being burned. Why does that matter? Because when you sin, it hurts. When you sin, it should feel like it hurts. When you sin, there should be some conviction in your life. There should be something in your life to know, wow, I'm not supposed to do that because it burns. The problem is, is when you keep going back to the same sin, it begins to desensitize you. And now you no longer feel because what you begin to do is you keep going back to it. You keep going back to it. You keep going back to it. And now you lost feelings. So because you lost the feeling, you think it's okay because you can't feel anymore, but it's not. And this is what we do in this day and age. We keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. And now we can't feel anymore. We've been desensitized. And now we begin to make up our truths versus biblical truths because we keep going to the same thing that we shouldn't go to. In the words of Jesus, it's a dog returning back to its own vomit. So if you keep cussing and cussing and cussing and cussing, eventually you think cussing's okay because you got desensitized because you kept sinning. Right? Let's just keep it real. Because you keep sleeping around with the person you're not married with, and you keep sleeping around, you keep sleeping around, you keep sleeping around, now you think it's okay to not be married and sleeping around because you desensitized yourself. 
Because you keep going to that substance again and again and again, getting drunk, getting loaded, doing whatever at the party you're not supposed to. Whatever the sin is, I don't care. Let you kind of figure that out. But what we begin to do is when we go again and again and again and again and again, we get desensitized. And then we wonder why we can't feel God when we come to church on Sunday. And then we wonder why we're walking around lifeless. Because the Bible says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. It's not just death for the future. It's not just heaven and hell. It's actually spiritual death now that begins to bring you lifeless because the sin that you're committing, the thing that you're going to that is not Jesus is actually killing you, not giving you life. So why do we need the Holy Spirit, man? We need the Holy Spirit because conviction brings the desensitized skin back to life again. See, God knows what sin does. And God's not scared of the sin in your life. And God's not scared of the things that you've done or the things that have happened to you. And so what he has done is he sent someone named the Holy Spirit who will help you with sin, to empower you to conquer sin, to give you the grace to overcome sin because you can't do it on your own. Only we can do it with Jesus. And what is sin? Anything that would separate us from God. And so what we begin to do with the Holy Spirit is when we draw close to the Holy Ghost, we begin to develop a relationship with the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Spirit begins to move in our life, he begins to bring these desensitize parts of us back to life again because we don't like being touched by something when it's hot that's a sign that you shouldn't do it that's what the Holy Spirit's for and so for some of you in the room sin and shame and guilt and injustice has desensitized you I remember, I remember being a youth pastor. And you know, what's, you know what's one of the one things I prayed for almost every week? Like probably once a month at least. A young person, 15, 16, 17, come up to me and say, Pastor Chris, uh, I can't feel anything anymore. I'm numb. Because that's, that's what happens when you don't let God begin to do what he needs to do. Or you don't know Jesus. Life and tragedy and crisis and sin will make you numb. And can I tell you that Jesus did not die so you can have a numb life. He died so you can have real life in him. I remember praying for kids. That the hardness of their heart would be softened. And I know this because I remember what it was like with my life. Being so hard because of what I went through. And I'm desensitized. Desensitized, but what conviction does is conviction brings things back to life. Conviction begins to show us the things that are killing us and it begins to empower us so that we're not struggling or we have the power to overcome the struggle of the thing that's trying to separate us from God. And so let me just break down a couple more things. You guys with me? So here's what conviction is not. Conviction is not shame, condemnation, guilt, remorse, or embarrassment. So I want you to know, if you're ever in a place with Jesus, and he's convicting you, or you think there's conviction in your heart, and it leads to shame, 
which is the feeling of feeling dirty. Condemnation, which is this idea that I'm going just straight to hell and God hates me. Guilt, that it's all your fault and you can't do anything about it. Remorse, that, you, that, that, that God is apparently bringing up things from 10, 20 years in the past. Or you feel embarrassment. It's not from Jesus. It's, it's not from the Holy Spirit. Those feelings are not what conviction is. They're not. And some of you are like, well, I kind of feel that, and I think it's from God. I'm telling you it's not, and, and, and I'm not an expert. I just Googled it, okay? You know what I'm saying? I Googled the definition of these words. Remorse, for example, is an interesting one. It says someone who is in deep regret from past experiences. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring up your past because he already washed you from it. Don't be wrong. He could convict you of the things now. But he's not trying to convict you of when you did something stupid when you were 16 and you're like 40. That's the enemy trying to lie to you and tell you you're not worthy of the blood and that God in your relationship is not real anymore. You need to understand what conviction is so that way, this is what we do. Instead of running toward conviction, we run away from it. But yet conviction is actually the process of God shaping us and it's designed there to help us not keep us further from God. It's not remorse. It's not guilt. The definition of guilt, for example, is those that feel guilty that now have to pay the price or the penalty for their mistake. Jesus already paid the penalty. It's not embarrassment. This is what conviction is. Conviction is awareness, freedom, empowerment, repentance, and transformation. What I've learned is conviction first is awareness. Some of us, we don't even know that it's wrong, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal it, that it's wrong. I remember when I first got saved, man. How many of you remember when you first got saved, when you first met Jesus? It was awesome. Feeling good, mercy of God, grace of God, goodness of God, power of God. Six months were fire. They were awesome. A lot of tears, a lot of brokenness. Like you're, just, you're just sensing all this stuff. You're feeling all this stuff. I don't know. If you didn't get saved Pentecostal, then it may not make sense. Or, or Holy Ghost. But like if you got saved Holy Ghost, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of good. And it's, it's all essential and it's necessary, right? The kindness of God, you feeling loved. And then out of nowhere, something shifts, at least for me, between six months and a year. And now every time I'm spending time with the Holy Spirit, I'm still feeling the grace, the love, the peace, the mercy of God. But then he starts beginning to challenge me on things that I'm not supposed to be doing. And this is what we think. We think that conviction means God's mad at us. No, it's the opposite. It means he loves us. It means he loves us. And so God will begin to bring awareness, begin to bring awareness to the things that you're not supposed to do. Freedom. Conviction is freedom. Listen, I want to get to the place in my life where the Holy Spirit convicts me not after I do something stupid, but before I'm going to do something stupid. Come on, y'all. How many of you, like, would love that? Where you, right? Where you're like, God, show me before I do the dumb thing. And again, you, we think common sense is common, but it's not. We have a helper to help us, right? Help me, show me, right? Okay, I'm going to go to this party. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Hey, man, you shouldn't go to that party. Because you know what's probably going to go down at that party. Things like that. That's freedom. That's not a bondage. Because, listen, everybody in here that, is so, that has been saved, loved Jesus, been filled with the Holy Ghost, and been following Jesus, can tell you what it was like in freedom out there. Wilding out with all the stuff that you think would satisfy your heart and it never does. Can I tell you what freedom really looks like? It's a relationship with Jesus and him. There's nothing like it. 
He'll, conviction is empowerment. He's not trying to lead you to your past. He's trying to empower you for the future. He's trying to release something real in your life. He's trying to focus on what you're called to. Conviction leads to repentance. The difference between repentance and remorse is remorse makes you feel sorrowful for something you did in your past. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. Repentance is this ability, is this grace on your life to say, Jesus, I messed up, but I need you to fix it. I I'm not going to act like everything's okay, but I also know that I need you to be part of the process. And then conviction is transformation. Conviction is transformation. I believe that God wants to transform us. And I believe how he does that is he convicts us. And now we begin to look like someone we weren't before. So the Bible talks about how we move from glory to glory. Right, it's this idea of I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not where I should be either. I think about even this series. I, I would hope that in the last few weeks, right, we've been talking about this for about, what, six weeks now. I think since Easter, maybe a week before Easter. It's been about six weeks. I would hope that now we're starting to know Holy Spirit in a deeper way. Right? I would hope it's kind of like going to the gym and you don't get in shape. Like, what are you doing? Right? Like, you ever, you ever see someone like, man, I'm in the gym like six days a week. It's like, bro, you look the same. <laughs> like, bro, you know, just because it's in a garage doesn't mean it's a car. Just because you go to the gym doesn't mean you're fit. You know what I'm saying? Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're following Jesus. Are we doing the work? Are we letting God move in us? Are we processing? Are we getting discipled? Are we, are we growing? Are we developing? Are we letting Jesus transform us from the inside out? Listen, I, I, I love to preach, and I, and I think I'm kind of okay at it, okay? And I, and I love what we do at our house, at our church, and I love the things we do, like groups and, and, and all the stuff, and, and everything we do. I, I feel we do a pretty good job, but it doesn't matter unless this becomes real in your life outside this place. And God transforms you when you're by yourself just as much as you're with, with each other. And, and, and allowing God to begin to do the work in you when you're alone in the car, when you're by yourself at home, when you're with your family. And that's where transformation begins to take happen. Conviction is beautiful because it allows God to work outside the four walls. It allows God to work on the deep things in your heart. It allows God to work on the things that really matter in your life. But you gotta let him, you gotta let him convict you. You gotta let him reveal to you. You gotta have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the spirit of conviction begins to settle in. And next thing you know, he begins to reveal things. He begins to give you things. He begins to call you higher. He begins to challenge you. He begins to speak to you. He begins to just begin to do all the things in your heart that maybe are rough and tough or dirty or broken or messed up. It doesn't matter. And he's not scared to go in it with you. And next thing you know, the process of transformation begins to happen. Again, this is not popular, right? This type of message doesn't get good tithing. I'm just saying. This type of message isn't like we're going to have a, a great whatever and, and we're going to do a building, pro, like a, a building expansion. or right? that's, not, that's not like the thing you preach to like get you money or whatever. But that's not what this is about. The idea of it is this, is that at the end of the day, family, it's not just about this place growing. It's about you growing. It's not just about what, what wouldn't matter. What would it matter if we have a nice, fancy place, which we do, and it's awesome, and we love it. 
I love our building. I love our church. I love what God's doing here. But what does it matter unless you and your heart begin to develop and grow in a real way with Jesus? And what I'm trying to tell you is that if you do not allow the spirit and grace and power of conviction to become part of your life, then it's not going to happen. You're always going to get stuck and you're always going to feel like you almost made it. But there's another level. There's a deeper level that God's trying to take you in. And conviction is necessary to get there. And I, and I, I, I kind of went on a random rant because I think we, we as a, ch- not our church, but, but historically, the Church of America has, re- has really done a disservice to some by being so focused on the consumer, right? Because that, that's what we live in. We live in a consumer society. Whatever makes us feel good, whatever we want, right? Whatever, whatever we want. The, the consumer determines the market. And I just want you to know that the consumerism mentality does not work in the kingdom. It's about what God wants. And that's hard to, that's, that's tough for us. That's uncomfortable. But it's what God wants. And it's when, when God begins to move, he's going to move in the way he wants. And sometimes that always doesn't feel like rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. Sometimes that always doesn't feel good. But it's powerful and it's essential because it will help you be the person that God called you to be. It will help you become the person that God has designed you to become. It will help make you free of the things that God wants you to be free of. It will help release you from the things that you're not supposed to be in bondage in. It's beginning to do the real deep stuff in your life so that God would begin to move in an extraordinary way. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. We want the fire of the Holy Spirit. We want the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Family, you also need the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you cannot have one without the other. Last point, and if Pastor Juan, you could come up, that would be great. Is that conviction takes place in broad strokes and fine details. So I I remember when I was younger, when you first get saved, I started getting convicted. And when you first get saved, you get convicted of all the big stuff, right? Like the majors. You know what I'm talking about? Like the things that are very obvious you're not supposed to do. So like for me, I was 12, I didn't grow up in church, didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't even know where the book of Genesis was, guys. I was lost. Got saved, radically saved, and I remember I had a mouth on me. I had a mouth, I still, I still kind of do, but, but you know, I've been sanctified, so it works. Mouth on me. Imagine unsaved Chris, like how he would talk. That'd be a nightmare. I already talk enough as it is. I talk a lot. My poor wife, she has to hear me all the time. And I remember just, that's what we, you did. You grew up and you just cussed, right? So for example, I'm just using that as an example. I just cussed. I just cussed a lot. And so I remember every time I'd be in the presence of Jesus, every time I'd be in worship, church service, small group, and I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm reading my Bible, right? He begins to work on the things of our heart that are major, right? Major, major, major things, right? Broad strokes. Hey, Chris, you should stop cussing, right? You should stop cussing. You should stop cussing. And you stop watching things on the internet you're not supposed to be watching. Those were the two. Right? Major. Major. And he kept doing it. Don't watch things on the internet you're not supposed to. And stop cussing. That's what begins to happen. That's what begins to happen. And then something begins to happen. As you continue to follow Jesus and you continue to trust Holy Spirit, you continue to work on it and allow him and you begin to have self-control and discipline. Guess what? You stop doing the things you're not supposed to. 
It's not that complicated. You just got to do the work. You just got to trust in God. You got to keep at it. You got to be consistent, right? At first, isn't it the worst when you go to the gym and your first week is the worst week? If you've ever started working out, if you don't know what this is like, let me explain. I hope some of you worked out though, for sure. Okay, when you go to the gym at first, it's awful because your body is in the worst shape, so you feel everything, like your pinky toe hurts. You know what I'm saying? When you get in shape, like all the dudes that are in shape, the reason why they go every day and it's not hard for them, because they don't even feel it at all really anymore. Because their body is so conditioned, right? It's been formed, and now next thing you know, it's not gonna hurt like what it did at first. So that's how conviction is. Conviction at first, ooh, it hurts. And he's gonna hit you on the majors. He's going to hit you on the majors. And some of you right now are in that season where he's hitting you on the majors. Second, though, what begins to happen is as the majors begin to get solved, as God begins to work with you in the majors, next thing you know, he begins to focus you on the minors. So conviction takes place in broad strokes and in fine details. What do I mean by that? The broad strokes are the majors of your life. I want you to imagine like a painting, right? When a painter starts to paint a canvas, there's broad strokes. He's just trying to get the color right. He's trying to get the color right, right? He's just trying to make sure that this is the right color I want. But how many know that paintings aren't beautiful because there's color on them? Painting's beautiful because of the details on it. Love is in the details. So now I'm in a season of my life where the Holy Spirit convicts me, not of the things I do, but more so of the things that I even think about. Details. Detail, right? So, so before it was, okay, don't cuss. I'm just using it as an example. You can have your own thing. Don't cuss. Now it's when the dude cuts me off on the 120 freeway because it always happens on the stupid 120 freeway. Come on, I, I should have got like five amens for that one. Some of y'all, 120. 120 in the four. Devil's a liar. People lose their salvation on those freeways, yo. Whew. Right? Cuts me off. And I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to rage. But I don't anymore because he's convicted me of the, the, the physical action. So I just leave it all in here. Like I didn't, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but I'm thinking it. Like I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of saying something I'm not supposed to. I'm thinking about maybe like hitting them in the back of their car. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm thinking of it because I'm human. And you know what the Holy Spirit says? He says, Chris, you can't think like that no more. I'm like, dude, I can't even think. <laughs> right? I can't even think. Can't even have my own thought, homie. Come on, God. He's like, no, not if you want to think like me. You know what the beautiful thing about both is? That's a sign that you're close to the Holy Spirit, not far. Oh, this, this is the part I, I want to try to help someone in the room because, because there's been a season for some of you where he's nitpicking right now, where it feels like he's focusing on the minor details. You're like, well, well I'm not, God, I'm not worried. I'm, I'm not doing the, all the things I used to do. I'm not struggling with all the things I used to struggle with. I'm not, like, like I'm, I'm different. He's like, yeah, but I still got more for you. And actually, when you invite Holy Spirit closer, he begins to work on the details because that's what makes the art beautiful. That's what makes the art beautiful. That, that's what makes the canvas special. That's what makes the artist do his finest work is in the details. In this season, he's been working me on my tone. So, before I used to say the wrong thing, now I don't even say it the right way. My poor wife, again, I'll go to the prayer room and I'll ask the Holy Spirit, God just revealed to me 
right? And we're sincere sometimes, right? We're like, God, just reveal to me what's going on. And, and God will straight up tell you, be like, Chris, I don't like the way you talk to your wife that day. And I'm like, but I didn't say anything wrong. I was right. So that's not okay. And what you know what that tells me? Is that God loves me and he's working on me and he's not done working on me. And it doesn't matter how bad or little or it's still important. And that as I draw closer to Jesus, God, make me more like you. God, work on the fine things of my life. Work on the details. And man, when you begin to walk with God and God begins to give you conviction on the little things, that's how you know you're getting close. That's how you know you're getting close. For some of you, you're in the majors and that's okay. God needs to convict you in the majors. But for some of you, don't be discouraged if God's convicting you in the minors. It doesn't mean it hates you. It's actually the opposite. And here's the last point, and I want to tell you, I'm going to close. Let them do it. Let them do it. Don't be like Martha. Right? So in the Gospels, there was two sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha was too busy. Don't be like Martha where you let the busyness of your life mute the voice of God. Because that's what we do, especially in the area of conviction. You think that you could serve your way into holiness. You can't. You can't serve your way into grace. You can't work your way into things that God can only do with you and him. You can't work your way into things that God can only do through him and his people. Through being in a posture of God, convict me. God, convict me. Convict me to be a better husband. Convict me to be a better father. Convict me to be a better pastor. Convict me to be a better follower of you. Convict me of my actions. Convict me of this mentality that I know I'm not supposed to have. Convict me of the things that I know that are getting in the way of me and you. Holy Spirit, draw close to me. And when you draw close to me, I pray that you would convict me. You would reveal to me. You would show me. You would empower me through conviction to not struggle with the thing I'm struggling with anymore. That you would give me freedom and you would release something powerful in my life. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that as you are convicting me, that God, you are showing me the real me and who I actually am. God, I thank you that you're not leaving me where I'm at. I thank you that you're not just going to let me struggle and you're going to let me be stuck in my sin and stuck in my stuff and there's no way out. I thank you, Jesus, that there's something that you did and you sent your spirit called the helper who was going to come and convict me so that I could follow you in the way that I'm supposed to follow you. I'm telling you right now that conviction is not your enemy, family. Conviction is your best friend, and his name is Holy Spirit. And if you would invite him in your life in a real way, watch how deep you go with Jesus. Come on, if you would agree with me, just thank God in the room right now and just give him a shout. Come on. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Come on, stand to your feet with me. What if a church was excited that God would convict them more than they would bless them? What if it would shift? Right, we come to church and we're like, God, give me, give me, bless me, bless me. What if it was God convict me? Man, I'm just excited for God to show me the things that I need to work on. Man, I'm just excited for God to work on the sin of my life. Oh, I'm just excited. I, I'm embracing transformation. Family, I think in church we get excited about the wrong things. And I believe Holy Spirit wants to change the narrative. And he would ask you today. Would you let me convict you? Not, some, not through someone else, me. Would you let me reveal to you what I don't like and what needs to be removed because it's getting in the way of what I want between us? I'll tell you right now, I've been using the gym analogy a lot. 
if some random chick who had the spirit of ratchet on her life came to me at the gym and tried to talk to me, I'm not talking to her. And she, and she, I don't care what she said. I don't even know if she tries to get like spiritual because I'm a pastor. I'm not talking to her because I know that if something were to take place, I'm not going to let anything get in between me and Vanessa. Because that relationship is more important than what other relationships some other chick wants to have. So, what's the thing that's in your heart that God's like, I need you to get rid of that? What's the thing? It could be a broad stroke or it could be minor, but there's something. So let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. Close your eyes with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.